Hi everyone, Lucas Werner here. If you've been enjoying these conversations about art and culture, you might want to check out the newest releases from David's Werner Books, where we've published award-winning titles on Diane Arbus, Yayoi Kusama, and Carrie James Marshall, in addition to Ekphrasis, the critically acclaimed series of texts on art. This season, look out for books from the likes of Catherine Bernhardt, Noah Davis, and Marcel Zama, as well as new additions to the beloved Ekphrasis series. Visit davidswernerbooks.com to learn more. Hi everyone, Lucas Werner here. I hope you enjoyed season seven of Dialogues with our new host, Helen Molesworth, as much as I did. I'm back on the feed today for a very special occasion. We're getting ready to open our next exhibition of new work by legendary artist Yayoi Kusama. This will be Kusama's largest gallery exhibition with us to date, and it opens on May 11th. In advance of that, I wanted to share this conversation we recorded for Kusama's last exhibition at David's Warner, in which two experts on art in the social media landscape, Zsa Zsa Fei and Christian Luton, discuss Kusama's prescience and her powerful influence on culture at large. I hope you enjoy. I'm Zsa Zsa Fei. I'm a digital strategist for the art world. Uh, I'm Christian Luton from uh, the Netherlands, and I have an art platform online on Instagram, and I work with artists on doing collaborations, online influencer. <laughs> From David's Werner, this is Dialogues, a podcast about artists and the way they think. Christian and Jaja, thank you so much for being here today and part in this broad-ranging conversation, hopefully, about Instagram and art and the way people are making things. Yeah, it's a pleasure being here. Thanks for having us. Um, I thought that maybe we start, you mentioned in passing in the introduction before we were recording, that you guys had met before in a kind of uh, Instagram. In Moscow, of all places. <laughs> yeah, it was a show of Takashi Murakami uh, at the Garage Museum two years ago. Yeah, and I think it's a very perfect example of how the real world and the online world clash in this digital economy. Mm -hmm. wherein you know, two people from various parts of the world get flown into Moscow to take pictures of an exhibition. The exhibition itself was really focused on the art, but everything around her was focused on Instagram. So if you go to the bedroom, I don't know the restroom, mm -hmm. um, there were there were all kind of mirrors with like Murakami artworks, but not like the original artworks were in the show, but like more the kind of where like a mirror where you take a photo and post it on Instagram. Yeah, and he's the master of an immersive experience where everything, all of his merchandise is at the shop and every single interaction with him was like some type of moment to photograph or take videos of. Yeah. And I think when the Garage Museum did a show with Murakami, they wanted to go all in. <laughs> uh, and that's why they flew us in. And how do you, but how do you feel when you come to a show and it feels like it's being gamified? For instance, meaning like there's a mirror room. There are things that might not have to do with the art, but you know immediately what you're supposed to do as someone who's engaging with the medium. I mean, is that does that is that a turnoff? You know, <laughs> you know, I think as people who work in the art world, we're we have the benefit of knowing what's what. But I think the modern museum experience, and I use the the word museum lightly because as you know there are other museums that have popped up that are not museums um the experience of going to a museum now is more about the performance of going to a museum no longer really thinking about the purpose of how museums were originally established as educational institutions where you go to learn about objects and people and civilizations now it's purely to get this one deliverable which is getting the photograph and that kind of spurs this 
entire engagement around going somewhere to perform this life that people think that you have. Yeah, I think it's really like if it's in the museum, it's, if it's in the exhibition itself, it's definitely a turn off. I think especially for like the art lovers and the people who are really into art. But I think it's also like I think with the Murakami exhibition, it was like the the, the show was really focused like on his artwork and didn't really focus on Instagram. Uh, but everything around there was focused on Instagram. And then I think it's also, it's a smart way to um, promote your exhibitions. And I think when people go for the mirrored bathroom selfie, they're going to see the show and they're going to learn about Murakami as an artist. They're going to re read about his background and stuff. That's kind of what I wanted to add. You know, the way you said it sounds sort of so pessimistic, Jaja, you know, that I, or I read it that way. Mm -hmm. I'm sort of inherently, I guess, optimistic in the sense that you know, I think the medium can be as highbrow or as useful or as interesting as people make it out to be. And so I'm just curious about if you really feel that pessimistic or if, in fact, that's just one side of what you see, you know, Instagram doing. And of course, now you work at museum, you have worked at museums now at the Jewish Museum, previously to Guggenheim to do this kind of work. Yeah. And I've always felt conflicted. I'm someone who sits on both sides of the table, right? So I am someone who is thinking about how to translate our content and the mission of our institutions into a digital space, mm -hmm. but then someone who's actively participating and personally sharing. And I think there's yet there's the opportunity of this optimism that comes with the goal of reaching an unlimited audience online. That's kind of what everyone's been talking about when they think about accessibility in the internet. But then you have very limited tools. So it becomes this very reductive experience mm -hmm. of just the image, just the, you know, whatever you're posting. But then the, you know, phenomenon of these non-museums, like the Museum of Ice Cream, which mm -hmm. is opening a permanent space in New York City, um, co-opting that language and all of the surface values that surround the experience of going to a museum and conflating that is the same thing. And I think the audience doesn't know any better. Right. And it's our job as museums, as people who work, you know, in the space to clarify, but um, it's definitely a machine that has become far beyond our control. You know, in, in your case, Christian, it feels like your art education began alongside your digital or yeah. you're of course very young and i feel like it's an interesting example because you've become really deeply involved in a certain artist's career but very much the access point was yeah exactly you know instagram and i think also if i'm going back to your point um it's i think it's of course i think everyone agrees it's bad if the artist compromises work to get more instagram likes or to be more shown or be, be more posted on instagram but I think also, like, if in the case we were in Moscow, and I think, like, how many kids can go to Moscow? Like, how many... Like, I come from a place close to Amsterdam, but, like, not Amsterdam. So I was never in the art world in New York. I Like, I didn't have the opportunity to go there. So to see all those artists exposed in those kind of big museums, like the Guggenheim or, or like, the Garage Museum, like, in, like, the internet and Instagram was the only way I could see it, basically. Of course, uh, I think on the artist side, like, if you, if you compromise on making art or want to put a mirror in there so more people are going to post about it. I don't think it's a good thing, of course. But I think as, an, as a museum and, and I think just as the art world, we have a job to reach more people and not only the people who live in New York or, or in London. The question for me about the medium is how you, and I wonder if you actively think about this, Jaja and you, Christian, how you fight the surface values. You know what I mean? Like how do you participate in a way that's compelling, meaning make images that people gravitate towards without 
kind of inevitably dumbing down or sort of lowering the level of conversation. Yeah, I mean, that's what I attempt to do every day. Um, And I think also my practice is not only just thinking about Instagram, even though it's extremely powerful when it comes to visual art, um, but thinking about the entire digital ecosystem. So all of the other mediums you've noted, you know, it's getting that person from just a post on Instagram into someone who clicks through to your website Mm -hmm. and goes deeper. Um, It's really the gateway drug, hopefully, for more content. Mm -hmm. No, I think it's really interesting what you say about the gateway drug. I think that's what I always try to do with curation I'm doing on my own page. It's like, because I don't come from the art world, so I know how it is to be outside of the art world. So I want, like, I know what kind of images were appealing to me. Uh, and I'm trying to now starting to learn more about art and getting into the, and being in the art world. Uh, I start to try to to mix that with each other. Mm. And I think even there are some artists that are considered very art world, art world, like even like a certain artist like Jordan Wolfson. When I posted a video of, I think it was at the Stalic Museum when he was doing the robot stripper mm-hmm. um, performance art piece, it went viral. And I saw it everywhere. I saw it like on Reddit. I saw it on all the Instagram accounts, like it got more than, I think more than a million, a million uh, plays and views like on, on my own Instagram account. Um, and I think that's because of the combination of like people that maybe don't come from the art world were looking like, what is this? And like sending it to friends and comment, commenting under all the posts, like, is this art? Like, is it like the common whole discussion is coming? And the only reason why this is, this is happening, why it's going viral is because uh, I also posted a lot of stuff that's maybe in the art world considered like hmm, like easy easy right not high not highbrow in the same exactly, way or something yeah like, right so i think that that um the the combination between uh, the high and low art is really important in curation and getting a big group excited for it i would really something that we're thinking about something i would really love to hear about is how you imagine kind of digital exhibition making initial mistake i think is to recreate the digital space in the the physical space and the way you experience something in a physical space is very different from the way you experience it in a digital space. And so we've been thinking a lot about digital exhibition making at the gallery and how narrative gets woven into uh, something that you see online, a richness, context, archive get built in. So it's not just you in front of an artwork, but it's you with all the other things available to you when you see something digitally. Yeah, I think there's been a lot of experimentation in this realm in the last several years, none of which have been extremely successful. No, I think no one created And I think, right. I think the, the actual question to be asking is, do people want to experience art online? So I, I find the phenomenon of kind of the art world thriving right now in the way that people are continuing to go to museums more than ever before. People are continuing in record numbers to fly across the world to go to art fairs, biennials, mm-hmm. it's still about this in-person experience mm-hmm. because unlike any other creative industry where music or publishing has really disappeared because of Spotify and eBooks, art museums and galleries continue to thrive because people want to have experiences in yeah. person. But I think also people want to share that experience. Right. Uh, but and it also it doesn't replace the experience, no. unlike the activity of like watching a movie on Netflix. You don't have to right. go to the movie theater. There's nothing that's going to replace. Right. the. You know, the art takes on so many forms. You cannot replace the experience of standing in the middle of a four-channel video installation or looking mm-hmm. up very closely at the surface of a painting. Right. I think people, you know, still want to have that social in-real-life yeah. experience. Yeah, 100%. But I think also is that, like, 
I think Instagram is like one of the channels where a lot of people watch art, see art, and mm-hmm. everything. But also, I think Instagram is much more than that. Like, it's also people are, people checking what their friends are doing, like what kind of fashion or food or like where everything clean nowadays. Um, so I think if Instagram only was made for art, it wouldn't work. Right. One of the things that I am, would be concerned about, and you mentioned it a little bit earlier, Jaja, is that there is a reductive quality, obviously, to the platform, that it's presenting things in a very specific way. And I think we all agree that certain things look better on Instagram than other things. And that certainly doesn't mean they are less attractive or more attractive in person. So it's this kind of, and I guess the question is, has that ability to sort of predict what works on Instagram, which I think is, you know, high contrast, colors, um, you know, very muted things seem not to be that attractive, at least when I look at them on a screen, um, like a, you know, a Ryman, it's yeah. not gonna, it's not gonna pop on Instagram, you know what I mean? But an infinity room is, or a Josh Smith painting most likely will, you know, like there's a, that kind of intense color palette. Do you see that being a factor in the way people are making things? Yeah. Well, it's a classic marketing question. What's your goal? So for the artist, if it's sales, it's, does this actually generate money or are they more just interested in visibility? And I think there just hasn't been enough of a paradigm shift yet in, you know, there's still transactions taking place. And I think, um, we shouldn't ignore the fact that this entire system is based on the transaction between data that's being collected from its users and the people who are on the other on, on the other side. Um, but I don't think it's affected, you know, the artists to the extent of changing how they work. It might be, you know, it's really just another dimension of presentation. Yes, for artists like that want to get a lot of reach, like it really, it really matters. I think artists, that, like I sell a lot of works to Instagram, and most of the time, the works that get the most likes are not the most works that sell the easiest. That's interesting. So it's, I think, and a lot of artists also know that, like it's, it's completely different liking a picture than buying a, a painting. Will you talk a little more about that? What when you, if you can think of examples, not that you need to name names, but. No. What is the difference between a likable picture and one that someone actually ends up transacting on? Uh, I think one is like, yeah, liking a picture is like something you think it's cool or you think, but not something you necessarily want hang want to put in your home. Mm-hmm. But I think the big, the big kind of difference is the audience. So, like, what an audience likes who are buying a lot of artworks, who are like real collectors, is uh, is something different than people who are just on their couch and liking a picture there's a different kind of taste uh of those of those people so i think um yeah getting a lot of likes or getting a lot of followers uh, might mean you're appealing to the wrong audience you're not appealing to the qualified audience you're appealing to let's say a less qualified audience who's actually not a buying audience qualified isn't maybe not the right word but you understand what i'm getting at of course in terms of market yeah or art historically inclined or whatever but i think it's definitely it's, it's changing i mean like uh, because I think a lot of those qualified people who can buy art are all definitely looking at the numbers and who is like really popular right now. Right. Uh, and I think if we talk about like a cause, like who is now an, a market phenomenal, uh, he got like a lot of like Instagram followers. He got a lot of people posting about him. If you do the hashtag cause, like you see so many people posting about it. And that means that a lot of like young people are, a lot of young people are into cause, like they're fighting for Uniqlo tees and everything. And at a certain time, that's going to also like really a few billionaires are going to be also interested in it because like, whoa, this guy is so big right now. 
maybe I should buy an original painting of him. You know, the artist who, in, the, in a way, from the beginning has been able to do operate in both spheres is Kusama. You know, and this this sort of in, um, mainstream, even pre Instagram kind of mainstream fanaticism around her work and experience her work, which is now you know made much more intense by Instagram, has existed alongside an extremely robust market. And I would love to hear, maybe starting with you, Jaja, why how that happens, if that's something that happens organically, if it's around, if it's about the myth or the narrative. Um, I, right place, right time. Is Yayo Kusama even on Instagram? This was absolutely not by design. So no, no, not at all. And I think it's, it's the confluence of so many things. You know, yes, she's been very successful her whole career. Um, but I think, you know, the internet has opened up this new audience that has really exploded and proliferated this very unique visual aesthetic. You know, she's very lucky in capturing the audience that's been generated around her. But I think so much of it is kind of by accident. But it's also like super authentic. Like yeah. She was all doing this in the 60s. Way before, before. <laughs> exactly, uh, the it's, internet it's, even it's, existed. Yeah, it's insane. And that's, I think, why she's appealing to both kind of sides, of course. It's because like the real audience, or, like the real collectors, they know the story. They know she didn't make it for Instagram. They know... So, uh, yeah, I think, and I saw like a quote, I think it was for the New York Times was like, she's the most important artist of the 1960s. I think, I think that's even like wrong. She's like the most important artist of, of now. Her art is so, is about infinity, like the infinity rooms. And what Instagram did was the, ex, all her exhibitions are like in the universe, like kind of like a new universe created for her artworks. And it's going on. It's, it's an infinity. But then when you say that, of course, it's accidental in the sense that there is nothing plotted about, like mm -hmm. you say, Kusama's not... It was not a marketing campaign. There was no, no, <laughs> the was, fire but, festival of the art world. Right, but exactly. But that's sort of what's amazing is that by not being at all deliberate or calculated, it has somehow been the most um, effective at world of anything. And so I guess what I wanted to hear more about it, is it that the aesthetic sort of aligned or was she was prescient in the sense that that aesthetic is exactly the kind of aesthetic that was being cooked up online by people participating in this. You know, it happened to be that things like polka dots, colors, a kind of palette that's a little bit, you know, that's sort of broader or appeals to a wider audience. Yeah, I think the saying? key is accessibility. So, right. you know, artists that are very successful online, James Terrell, Yayo Kusama, these are experiences that can be appealing to anyone, mm -hmm. people with absolutely no art background, appreciation and understanding of art. And I think that's critical because even though we do have new tools at our disposal, art is still very difficult to access. It's for a very limited part of the world. Mm -hmm. Arts education has been depleted. I guess my concern is that because you now have um, this kind of hyper promoted aesthetic online, you know, how does this affect long-term digital art history right. you know when you look at the record of what people used to look at right. if you have like a million cause and kusama tags like was that the era we were living in? like who, who were those else? the most important artists basically, yeah exactly so you know this new quantitative measurement of success mm -hmm. you know she you know is just kind of operating in very universal perspective yeah. Yeah, too and, you know like who she's... doesn't love polka dots and like sparkly <laughs> things in this case there's a visual aesthetic which has aligned with a story that to me is extremely meaningful and compelling, right? You have an, an artist who came to New York, was a total outsider, in, you know, an Asian woman in a totally macho world, mm -hmm. a world that didn't want anything really to do with her that would have in never In an area her. of um, er 
in an era of abstract expressionism. Abstract expressionism with men. Very domi- male. Dominating white the White male. Yeah. And if you watch the documentary that came out recently about her, literally, like she, she needed patrons. She was turned down from lots of museums. And something about kind of underdog return to success and appeal to um, a broad group and this sort of quite pure utopian messaging, I feel has made her this sensation. So it's operating on two levels. There's the immediate visual level, but it's also tapped into what I would say is like the best side of something like Instagram, which is the ability to feel a powerful message that in this case is authentic and is not corporate in the sense that some brand is telling you to have good values in order to buy the product, but is actually genuine. She's almost this alien creature. And I think, again, by design, like Instagram is really favors this idea of, um, you know, icon worship where you've seen like fake influencers, like people who are made in CGI kind of uh, engineered to have a certain number of traits. And because her so her her life is so strange and almost, you know, otherworldly, I think people gravitate to this character and though she is very much a real person but would you as like a gallerist would you recommend an artist to be on instagram i would say if it's a natural extension of what how you enjoy looking at things and doing things then absolutely yes but same question to you before we end um the the sort of the way you see things unfolding um i think like instagram and i think i think more in general is like having more fans and being more liked by the big public is going to be more and more important. I think like we are seeing the uh, the tip of the iceberg with a Kusama, with a cause. And I think it's definitely driving up prices, but also driving up museums want to show art. Like museums need to have some blockbuster shows like right. to get people in, into the museums and see, see the collections and stuff. So I think being popular is, is, is definitely uh, is going to be a bigger and bigger thing for artists. And I think the way to become more popular is online because that's where you can reach a lot of people i really believe the 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 combination between offline and online is going to be the crucial thing yeah the crucial thing and that's why i think also for artists i would like advise an artist to be on instagram or to be online uh because if you're going to do an offline show you want people see your works like tell your followers or like your fans uh is a really it's a really big thing and i think also artists are going to get much, much more power. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, one thing's for sure that galleries need to get sophisticated about using those promote artists because like Kusama, if she's not on Instagram, then it is definitely the gallery's responsibility to make sure that some of that great promotional marketing stuff is happening for her, you know. Jaja and Kristen, thank you so much for doing this today. This is great to have the conversation. Dialogues is produced by David Zwerner. You can find out more about the artists on this series by going to davidswarner.com slash dialogues. And if you liked what you heard, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It really does help other people discover the show. I'm Lucas Werner. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you join us again next time.